14, starting with verses 1 through 3. Once again, that's John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That was good. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. The, the lesson that I've prepared is probably my favorite lesson ever, not because it's great or anything. Um, I don't want you to get too excited. But it's, it's my favorite just because of how much I personally have gotten out of it just putting it together. And I hope that you get uh, as much out of it as I have. Sometimes here our sermons are designed uh, specifically to, to teach and edify, to teach some specific doctrine, some passage uh, from the Bible that we expound upon and, and focus there. Sometimes our sermons are designed uh, specifically to correct some error that has popped up in the church or within denominations or something like that. Uh, sometimes we preach to um, address those kinds of things or to edify one another. But the, this morning, the, the main goal of this lesson is to encourage us. Hopefully we'll learn and be edified and all that stuff too. But the main goal of this morning's lesson is to encourage us, simply to encourage us. And, and you may have gotten an idea of what we'll be uh, studying this morning from the songs. Yes, I have a head nod here. Um, we'll be looking at heaven, looking forward to heaven. I want to describe to you this morning heaven. I want to describe heaven to you in such a way that you will want to go there. I mean, really, really want to go there. And, and not just to avoid hell. You know, that's a given. Everybody wants to avoid hell. Um, but I want to describe heaven as a place so beautiful and so wonderful that it is somewhere that you actively want to get to. Have you ever wondered very specifically what heaven would be like? If, if we were in heaven at this moment, what would it be like? What would our, I guess you could say, our day-to-day lives be like? Heaven is a place that we should all really want to go to, but I imagine that this thought has crossed all of our minds at, at one point or another. What if heaven is boring? What if heaven is boring? What if heaven is, is disappointing in some way? What if heaven isn't all that it's cracked up to be? One writer said it this way, quote, I suspect that this question subconsciously bothers most of us more than we would like to admit. I can remember having something of a crisis, this writer says, a crisis of faith as a child. I thought I didn't want to go to heaven since the popular pictures of it seemed pretty boring to me. End quote. Many non-Christians, even some Christians, think of heaven as kind of being boring when all things are said and done. Why? Well, it's portrayed as people dressed in white. You know, you don't get to wear any cool polka dots or stripes or colors or anything, just white. We'll be sitting on a cloud, we'll have a harp, and we'll be strumming on the harp and looking at clouds all day, every day, forever. You know, for eternity, and that's it, and there's no end to that. It'd be something like a prison and being in some sort of mental institution where 
You're just sitting and you're wearing white and you're strumming on a harp and that's it. Some also imagine it as some sort of super long, never-ending church service. It's just church forever and ever and ever. Here's one comic. Here's a, a disguise. Apparently in heaven, he's an angel with wings and the white robes and the, the halo went on. What does he say? He's thinking to himself, "Man, I wish I wish I brought a magazine. Wish I brought a magazine." <clears throat> Here's another one. Um, this guy apparently just got to heaven and he has uh, an angel explaining things to him. And he says, "Oh, it's great. Except there's no sex, gambling, junk food, TV, sports, or internet. Other than that, well, you know, it's perfect." Yeah, the guy who just got there, he's, he's a little bit upset about that. Here's another one. This guy again just got to heaven, so he says, So, what do you guys do for fun around here? And the guy says, Oh, we sing and read the Bible. Wow. The other guy says, That it really sounds like you guys uh, cut loose. And it says, Heaven, population 14 down there. Um, here's another one. <clears throat> this one isn't, this guy didn't even bother to make a comic out of it. He didn't bother to, to draw any pictures, but this is something I found online. This guy just simply says, or maybe it was a girl, I prefer hell. I prefer hell. Heaven would be so boring. This thought is pervasive. <clears throat> it's throughout our culture. Have you guys ever seen uh, the Philadelphia cream cheese ads? I remember one in particular. It's probably in the early 90s. I was, I was probably five or six years old. But there was a Philadelphia cream cheese ad on TV. And it pictured, you know, a couple of young ladies. They were uh, dressed in robes and halo and wings and all that. They were angels, apparently, sitting on a cloud. And guess what? They were bored out of their minds. I, I tried to find the commercial online, but I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, but here's, here's a, a picture sort of representing it. They, they were bored out of their minds. Oh, they have nothing to do. We're in heaven, and this is so terrible. Woe is me. But they were bored out of their minds until what happens? Somebody brings some Philadelphia cream cheese. Yay, it was so great. And they eat their bagel, and they're so happy, and they're having fun with their bagel and cream cheese. And then presumably they're, they're finishing the bagel, and then they go back to being bored. But I distinctly remember <clears throat> seeing this ad as, as a very young child, was probably in kindergarten, five or six years old, and I really worried about it. I really worried about heaven being boring, and I didn't really want to go there. And I didn't want to tell anybody I didn't want to go there because everybody wants to go to heaven. I didn't want to tell anybody that's what I was thinking, so I kept it a secret. I thought, you know, perhaps I was the only one who felt that way. You know, <clears throat> I, I don't really like cream cheese all that much. It's okay. It's not, it's not great. You know, harps, uh, they're, they're not all that cool. I mean, they're, they're fancy, but, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot going on there. Clouds are okay, too, but, you know, there's only so long you can stare at clouds. And this was the picture that I had in my mind. It was boring. I didn't really want to go there. Why? And that's what many people think today. It didn't appeal to me. It doesn't appeal to many people today. They don't care to serve God. They don't care to do anything, really, to make it to heaven because they don't care if they don't make it there. Isaac Asimov, who's quoted as saying, he's a famous guy. If you don't know who he was, he was famous. He did stuff. He was quoted as saying this. Whatever the tortures of hell, whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would be worse. Can you imagine someone saying that, much less uh, thinking it? 
he isn't alone. People read the things that he wrote and they agreed with him and they were like, yeah, go Isaac. Whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would be worse. Probably the biggest reason many people are not eager to get to heaven is because they're afraid that it's going to be boring, just like this guy thinks. So let's deal with that notion. Let's deal with that notion so that we can, ex- so that we can be excited to get to heaven, so that we can look forward to heaven and bring as many people there with us as we possibly can. Reason number one, the first reason that we'll look at this morning, heaven will not be boring because God is not boring. Heaven will not be boring because God is not boring. How often do we think of this? If you underline or highlight things in your Bible, here's a good passage to underline or highlight or circle or whatever you do. Psalm chapter 16. Psalm chapter 16. And we'll look at verse 11. Psalm 16 and verse 11. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Joy and pleasure are the very opposites of boredom and discontentment. Joy and pleasure are where boredom and discontentment do not exist. And on that note, where do you think our desire for pleasure and joy come from? Where do our desires and for joy and pleasure and all those things come from? God gave it to us. God made us that way. He didn't have to, but when God made us, he specifically made us to be able to enjoy things that are enjoyable, to want things that are joyful, to look for contentment. He didn't have to make us like that, but he did. He wanted to. He made us specifically to want to, and to, to be able to seek after those things. Have you ever thought about that? And if that's the case, who better than God would know how to satisfy us in the truest sense of the word? Who better than God would know what makes us smile, what makes us joyful, what makes us happy? Think about this also. Where did our imaginations come from? Where did our capacity for imagination and creativity come from? They, too, come directly from God. The source of everything imaginative and creative and fascinating and wonderful. And that's not just you know good stuff. That's, that's the stuff that fills us with wonder and makes us sit back and just say, Wow, those things, those things come from God. We didn't invent those things. That comes from God. He invented it. We didn't invent humor or laughter either. God did. God invented that. We could never begin to exhaust God's sense of humor. He made the duck-billed platypus, among other things. We could never begin to exhaust his sense of humor, his sense of wit, his sense for invention and creativity and imagination and adventure and excitement. All of these things come from God. He invented them. He imparted those things to us. We sometimes think that we human beings are the ones who invented fun. We invented fun. God invented boring, right? We sometimes think that way, and that's, that's probably what uh, many people uh, today think. But that's not the case at all. If anyone is boring, it'd be us. It's we who are boring, not God. And the question that we should ask is, how could God not be bored with us? 
how could God not be bored with us? He isn't for some reason. Um, he, he loves us enough to, to not be bored with us. But reason number one, heaven cannot possibly be boring because God is not boring. He's the source of all that is good and fun and exciting and joyful and happy and ultimately satisfying. He's the source of all of that. Reason number two, heaven will not be boring and cannot possibly be boring because we'll have work to do. We'll have work to do. Now, someone might think, you might be thinking, hmm, isn't that the opposite of what we were just talking about, fun and all that stuff? No. No, it's not. Not at all. It's not the opposite at all. It's not the case. It's very often reported that when people retire, and if, if anybody has retired here, uh, feel free to ask them uh, about this afterwards, or, or maybe kids during school break, uh, summertime or whatever, they get very bored. They find themselves from time to time very bored because they have nothing to do. They have nothing to do, and they have to figure out ways to keep themselves occupied. They lay around the house, Mom, Dad, I'm bored. And then Mom and Dad gives them chores, or they send them to go outside and play or do something. Um, or uh, adults, they have to you know, maybe get another part-time job because they're so bored being unemployed, having no job. Um, and this retirement is what they've been looking forward to their whole life and all this. It's not uh, the occupied or working mind that is bored. It's rather those who have nothing to do who are bored. Those people are unfulfilled. That's, that's boredom personified. Nothing to do, I'm bored. Sigmund Freud, despite what you may or may not think about him, he sometimes had a, an interesting point. And here's one. It's, it, I believe it coincides uh, very well with, with, uh, with what the Bible says. He says, quote, Everyone needs two things to make life worth living. Everyone needs two things to make life worth living. Love and work. Love and work. In heaven, we will have some sort of occupation, a job to do, and that job will not be burdensome. Jobs today can sometimes be burdensome and and just rotten and soul-crushingly boring and terrible and all that. But our job in heaven, whatever that may be, it will be enjoyable and rewarding and fulfilling. We read that that there will be plenty to do in heaven. Just read through Revelation sometime and note how many times those in heaven are noted as serving as doing things, as being actively engaged in something. Heaven, uh, God made us as beings that need to be doing something to be fulfilled. We need to be doing something to be fulfilled. Right when he created man, he gave him a job. Name these animals. Take care of the garden. Raise the family. Do this and that. That's how man is fulfilled. Doing things, working, being occupied. Over and over in Revelation and throughout the Bible is the idea of serving and working and doing things. This means that that those in heaven are doing something. Our work in heaven will surely not be boring. Whatever it is, we we, we don't have a, a very clear as as clear as perhaps we would like idea of it. But we do know that there will be work to do, and it will be well suited for us. Jesus makes this point uh, abundantly clear in Matthew chapter twenty-five. If you'd like to turn there, Matthew chapter twenty-five, he's telling a familiar parable. Uh, about the stewards and all of that and the talents. And um, and he's talking partially about what will happen upon Jesus' return and upon the judgment. In Jesus, in this parable, there's, there's uh, of course, other points as well, but he gives us a small glimpse into, into what heaven will ultimately be like. We'll start in verse 20, Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 25 and verse 20. So he who had received five talents came and brought five uh, other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. Now come to heaven and you don't have to do anything else. No, you are faithful over a few things. Now what? 
I will make you ruler over many things. What do rulers do? They have a certain realm of responsibility. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a few things. Here it is again. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Here Jesus connects joy with having something to do, doesn't he? Jesus specifically says, after this life is over, after he comes back, we will be given other tasks to do according to our ability. Yes, we will have some sort of job to do, and it will be a joyous one at that. God has a plan for each one of us to be happily and excitedly and unboringly engaged after this life is over in heaven. Reason number three. Reason number three that heaven cannot possibly be boring or disappointing is because heaven is beautiful. Heaven is beautiful. God made people to be able to desire and appreciate things of beauty. Whether it's a beautiful woman or a handsome looking man or a piece of art or a piece of music or nature or whatever it is. Whatever you find beautiful. God has created us with that desire and the ability to appreciate and be satisfied by things of beauty. That, that's essentially what beauty means. Something that satisfies the senses. Something that satisfies the senses. Psalm chapter 27 Psalm chapter 27 and verse 4. Psalm 27 and verse 4. One thing I've desired of the Lord. One thing I've desired of the Lord, that I will seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? Why would someone seek that? Why would someone want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of their life? To behold the beauty of the Lord. Have you ever been moved by a beautiful piece of music? Have you ever heard something that gave you goosebumps? That got you choked up? That made you feel things that perhaps nothing else could make you feel? Have you ever been moved by something like that? Have you ever been in awe at a scene in nature? And just wanted nothing more to just sit there and look? And take it all in and be engrossed by God's creation and the beauty of it. Heaven will truly be a beautiful place. God has placed within us the ability to love and appreciate things of beauty and to be satisfied by beautiful things. Psalm chapter, twi- uh, Psalm chapter 50, rather, Psalm chapter 50 in verse 2. This was a, a beautiful verse. Psalm 50 in verse 2. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. The perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. Everything that is beautiful and admirable and fascinating and enjoyable comes from God, and that beauty will be in heaven. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and in verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Heaven, being filled with God's perfect beauty, is something that we desire and long for. We have been created with this eternity, this longing for eternity, for heaven in our hearts. God placed it there 
for us. There is always this longing in our hearts that can never be fulfilled this side of eternity. And when we get to heaven, that void, that ache, that that emptiness that is in us, that longing and desire will be fulfilled. It will go away by the beauty of God. One writer put it this way, quote, God made us this way. He made us to yearn, to always be hungry for something we can't get, to always be missing something we can't find, to always be disappointed by, uh, with what we receive, to always have an insatiable emptiness that no thing can fill, and an untamable relentlessness that no discovery can fill. If you hunger for excitement and adventure and enjoyment and beauty, don't you dare believe the devil's lie that heaven will be boring. Heaven cannot possibly be boring. Heaven is beautiful and it's everything that we have been looking for all of our lives, whether you know it or not. Reason number four. Reason number four. Heaven is, cannot possibly be boring and cannot disappoint us because heaven lasts Forever. Now, again, this is one of those things that someone might think, wow, oh, oh, that's, that's scary. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Something being forever, forever anything, is difficult for uh, us as humans to really understand. Or it's not impossible completely. It's difficult to understand. And things that are difficult to understand, we are afraid of them sometimes. Or we hesitate at the very least. Math is scary for some people because it's hard to understand sometimes. Women are scary for men sometimes because women are difficult to understand sometimes. Airplanes are scary for some people because why this three-ton metal thing can fly through the air on nothing is kind of scary sometimes. We don't understand it. Clowns are scary for some people because we don't understand why people would want to dress like a clown. The point is things that we don't really understand are scary and forever is something that we don't understand. Everything that we have ever known and experienced has always been finite. It's always had a beginning and an end, and, and it's always been quantifiable. It's here or it's here, and there's always this box that we can put it in. Nothing that we know is forever, but heaven is forever. We shouldn't be scared of forever. Let's look at it this way. I want to illustrate it this way. We shouldn't be scared of forever. And I want to illustrate it for you. Everybody loves weekends. Pretty much everybody loves the weekends. If you don't, well, come up with your own illustration. Everybody, is, everybody loves weekends, but what is the worst part of the weekend? What is the worst part of the weekend? For me, it's, yeah, I heard it. It's knowing that it's going to end soon. It's knowing that Monday's coming. You know, Friday afternoon, we usually feel pretty good, right? Yeah, Friday, I got the weekend ahead of me, and then... And if it's a three-day weekend, it's even better because we're already off on Friday or we're off on Monday. But by Saturday or Sunday afternoon, what are we thinking? Uh, Monday's just around the corner. Back to work, back to school. Got to do all these things. It's hanging over my head. I can't really enjoy the rest of my weekend because I'm thinking about these things. My weekend's almost over. Even in the midst of the weekend, the enjoyable part of our week, it's sometimes hard to fully enjoy it because we have this knowledge hanging over our heads it's someday going to be over. Someday soon, it's going to be over. 
And even if heaven lasted a million billion years, which is far more than any of us can comprehend, even if heaven lasted a million billion years, could we fully enjoy heaven with the knowledge hanging over our heads that someday heaven would be over for us? The fact that heaven is forever adds to its perfect enjoyability. It adds to its beauty. We could not perfectly enjoy heaven, and heaven would not truly be perfect if it were not forever. We couldn't truly enjoy it, similar to how we can't sometimes truly enjoy our weekends or our vacations or whatever. It's the exact same idea. One writer said this, quote, The things for which man strive hardly ever turn out to be as satisfying as they expected, and in the rare cases in which they do, sooner or later... They are snatched away. Isn't that the case? Even the most enjoyable things in our lives, our families, our friends, our loved ones, someday they're snatched away from us. But in heaven, there's no goodbyes. It's forever. We don't ever have to consider the option of, what if this ends? It won't. It's perfect. Heaven is forever, and that's a good thing? Yes, that's a very... Very good thing. Reason number five. Reason number five we're going to look at. Heaven will not be boring and it cannot possibly disappoint us because heaven is home. Brothers and sisters, heaven is home. There's a story of an old missionary couple who were abroad in the mission field for many, many years. And after coming uh, back home on their flight, on the airplane, they happened to notice that there was a just rich and famous person on their flight. And of course, sitting in first class, they were in coach. Um, but there's this famous person on the plane with them. And that was, that was kind of neat. But upon landing, they noticed that, were, that there were dozens and dozens and dozens of people clamoring. They, sometime, somehow they found out that this famous person was on the plane. They were clamoring to, to meet this famous person, to see them, to greet them, to take pictures and autograph and all that stuff. And as they were leaving and the, this couple saw all these people welcoming this famous person back home, the wife said, wouldn't it be nice if we got that kind of greeting and we got back home? And the husband says, we're not home yet. That guy is home. We're not home yet. We know as Christians that this world is not our home. This this world is just not our home. We sing that sometimes. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse verse 13. We're pilgrims here on this earth. Looking forward to that permanent home in heaven. When we get there, we know that we will be welcomed with great joy and open arms. It's going to be beautiful. Psalm chapter 126 and verse 6. I want to study this this short passage with, with you just for a moment. Psalm chapter 126 and verse 6. Psalm 126 and verse 6. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. I want to compare, I want to examine this passage quickly with a few passages from the New Testament in order to get a better idea of perhaps what this verse is uh, is what teaching us. He who goes out weeping, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4, comes to mind. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Jesus teaches this here indicating those who mourn over sin, both over our own sin as well as others' sin. When we weep and mourn over sin, it drives us to do something about it. 
He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing. The word of God is often described in the New Testament as the seed. And sharing the word of God is sowing that seed. Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 4. What will come of the person who faithfully bears the word of God to the world? What will come of that person? He shall come home with shouts of joy. There it is. He shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. That person shall be welcomed home to heaven. It will be a joyous occasion. There will be shouts of joy. This person will not be alone either, and this adds to the joy. He will bring his sheaves with him. Those who have been saved because of their influence in teaching will be there along with him or her. And that will only add to our joy. Have you ever seen someone come home after a very long time away? It's very touching, isn't it? If you ever want to brighten your day or if you ever want to cry like a baby, search online videos of soldiers coming home after war. I looked up some of those videos as I was preparing this lesson, and honestly, I couldn't watch them very long because I was getting choked up after just a few seconds. It's, it's incredibly touching. Here's one. Welcome home, Daddy. Here's one. These people seeing their loved ones after being away for so long, and the tears of joy shed in that moment is something really something they're quite happy and it's it's understandably so home is something that we all long for there's nothing quite like going home as a brother john read in the scripture reading john chapter 14 the first three verses let your heart not be troubled you believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there, you may be also. Heaven cannot possibly be boring because that's where home is. Guys, I don't, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna miss home. I wanna go home. The sixth and final reason we'll look at this morning why heaven won't be boring and cannot possibly be boring or disappointing it's because of the bad things that will not be there. We haven't even mentioned that um, all of the things that won't be there. And, and we'd be here for a very long time if we even tried to attempt to mention all the things that will not be in heaven. Pain, sickness, tears, evil, lying, taxes, loneliness, death, fear, divorce, hate, sadness, depression, hurt, abuse, Cancer, headaches, sighing, Mondays, bills, broken bones, broken ankles, thrown out backs, bum knees, toothaches, deafness, wars, hospitals, jealousy, bullying, debt collectors, telemarketers, guilt, regret, drugs, sin, scars, shame, splinters, stubbed toes, lack of anything, dieting, goodbyes, bad news, disabilities, darkness, worry, temptation, baldness, washing dishes, congress, vacuuming, false doctrines, pride, car wrecks, boredom, disappointment, wrinkles, spiders, cursing, rotten weather, meanness. I can keep going. If those things don't put a smile on your face, knowing that they're not going to be anywhere near you, I don't know what will. I don't know what will. 
None of these things will be there. And we, we could honestly keep going for quite some time. Even discussing each one of these things that I just mentioned in great detail, we would just barely begin to understand some of what heaven will be like. Will it be boring? No. It will be everything that we ever imagined and then some. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Heaven is such a great place. We can, we can only begin to understand what it might be like. I certainly do not want to miss heaven. It is something that I'm very much looking forward to. And I hope you are too. I really do. It certainly is not going to be boring. We cannot let ourselves believe the lie that heaven could possibly be boring or disappointing or anything less than the full and perfect and great and beautiful reward that God has promised us that it is. I don't want to miss heaven after just these few points that we've talked about this morning. Again, I've just barely begun to talk about heaven and the reasons why I'm looking forward to it. Heaven won't be boring, cannot disappoint, because one, God is not boring. We will have work to do. Heaven is beautiful. Heaven is forever. Heaven is home. All these bad things won't be there. These and many other reasons is why I want to go home. It's truly going to be worth it all. We want to help you make it there too. Can we help you? Can we help you make it to heaven this morning? Are there Bible questions that you have that we can help you answer? Can we help you obey the gospel or understand what it means to obey the gospel? Can we, as your brothers and sisters in Christ, help you come back to the Lord so that you can make it to heaven? We want you to let us know. You have the opportunity to do that right now. We're about to sing a song for your encouragement. If we can help you in these matters... Come forward right now as we together stand and sing.